Is a fantasy football destroying RBBC about to happen on the East Coast? What AFC East wide receiver is not getting enough love from FFPC drafters? And what's the proper return for Derrick Henry in high-stakes dynasty leagues right now? Plus, 2021 four-time FFPC high-stakes dynasty champ Ryan Zaborowski drops in to talk Kyle Pitts, Amari Cooper, Greg Dulich, George Pickens, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts. Stay right the now. pressure. I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Shout out to the Quiet Hollers as well for the uh, our theme music member to check out their music at QuietHollers.com on iTunes, Apple Music, or anywhere you download your music. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk a little bit about what Brandon Cook's new contract uh, extension means for fantasy, what under-the-radar Big Ten receiver is about to make a significant impact in his first year in the league, or maybe not. We'll get into it. And then uh, 2021 four-time FFPC Dynasty fantasy football champ Ryan Zaborowski swings in to talk about Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, George Pickens, and much more on how to build championship dynasty rosters. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Of course, check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football uh, State Championship at KFFSC.com or at KFFSC on Twitter. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. You can also email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send those in. Uh, we'll do our best to get to all the uh, chat room questions, all the uh, tweets, and all the emails that come up throughout the program in our fantasy feedback segment uh, coming up later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce and our producer and mutual friend Rob. Want to bring in my co-host with the most right now. It is the one, the only, the incomparable Farrell Elliott. Farrell, it's exciting because as of today, we are fewer than three weeks away from the 2022 edition of the NFL Draft. Oh, but I can count the days. Uh, It's fascinating on so many levels. I actually have players that are in the draft this year, although they will wait until the draft is concluded uh, before they actually find out where they're going because they're likely free agents. It's interesting from an agent's perspective, as you said, as as you approach the draft with the type of players I represent, uh, you, you wish you had a few extra days because you're gaining a little momentum. You're having a lot of conversations. If you represent the players that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, you're going to look at it in one way and say, oh, man, can this thing get here? I got to get it done with. Those last few hours leading up to the draft drag like days. I've been on both sides of the equation. Uh, I would I would rather. Uh, well, actually, both sides have its value. It's all a lot of fun, and it means everything for all our drafters that are in the um, 
the best ball contest right now. And uh, naturally, everyone waiting for that uh, bell to go off on the FFPC Dynasty drafts, of which I am looking forward to partaking in for the first time uh, in my career playing fantasy ball. It's fun. I mean, there's so many deals, especially after the NFL draft ends on Sunday, you see a ton of deals get done um, with people swapping players and picks now kind of knowing where everybody's going to be going at um, in the draft. Um, it's an exciting time. It's exciting um, not only for dynasty players, but for, for redraft players as well. Don't yes. forget if you want to get involved in dynasty startups, they are available at myffpc.com slash dynasty. We do have a few dynasty orphans left myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale the never too early best ball tournament which Farrell alluded to that's going off right now we're almost 80 percent full on that um so that's probably going well i shouldn't say probably going to sell out but there's a good chance that it sells out before april 28th remember on april 28th the start of the nfl draft that's when those drafts will cut off for the never too early best ball tournament the football guys players championship early bird promo is active $35 discount if you register prior to June 30th and draft prior to July 15th. And then, of course, we're giving away a million bucks first prize in the 2022 FFPC main event, nearly six million dollars in the prize pool. Uh, and if you do want to participate in some slow, uh, beg your pardon, some uh, closed 12 team leagues, slow, live, sit and go, whatever you want, best ball options are available not only at myffpc.com, but you can register for the Run to Daylight Championship and, of course, the Draft Masters and much more at kffsc.com. Let's uh, get into the fantasy flash tonight, and I want to kick things off um, with uh, some Indianapolis Colts news. I wanted to bring this up a couple of weeks ago and ran out of time, um, but I think this is interesting to bring up. Mike Sando from The Athletic um, had a report that came out this week that said an NFL executive uh, was quoted as saying, age has caught up with Matt Ryan, the league executive who's unknown to, uh, to us, but that told Sando, uh, the quote, I had a bit, I had him with a big decline last year. He's had a phenomenal career, great quarterback, but he wasn't super big athletic or had a super strong arm. I see the skills declining a little bit quicker for him as a result. I think they could be looking at another quarterback in a year, which let's face it, the Colts have been doing that every year for like the last half decade, it seems like. Um, they gave up a third round pick in March uh, to get Matt Ryan last year for the Falcons in a really bad offense. Matt Ryan had the third lowest adjusted yards per attempt of his career, along with his second worst ever touchdown rate. Ryan was 23rd in adjusted expected points uh, added per drop back right behind uh, Carson Wentz, who he's replacing in Indianapolis. Now, if he's not asked to do much, uh, again, if, if you're just going to let the offensive line kind of take take things over and and let Jonathan Taylor do his thing, then maybe Matt Ryan is, is a bargain right now. Farrell, I, I guess my concern here is, if the Colts either A, draft somebody, or B, sign someone, um, I, I think at receiver, I think this is interesting. And then Michael Pittman is sort of the wild card in all this. What does this do for Pittman if Matt Ryan has indeed lost a step and and maybe is not the athlete uh, that he used to be in Atlanta? Man, this one question, Balky, this is the whole show. We can throw <laughs> everything up. Uh, okay, first of all, I've, I've lost respect from this writer. He used super suspect and super big arm in the same sentence. We can't have that. The NFL executive, it sounds like somebody's hanging out at the Breakers bar a little too long talking about <laughs> Matt Ryan. Let me tell you what we had in Matt Ryan. Let's look at it both ways. Looking back last year, I didn't get Matt Ryan in many drafts, but I wish I had, especially through week eight. Um, there's no quit in Matt Ryan, and he was dealing with a young coaching staff, coaching staff I respect, but he's a veteran dealing with a new coaching staff, 
and they're brought in here to direct the ball to a rookie tight end that we'll talk about a little bit later. But guess what happened? Eight weeks into the season, uh, Matt Ryan had four games of over 300 yards. Uh, and sir, something happened at week eight in the season. There's no quit in Matt Ryan, but there was quit in his star wide receiver. So there's a lot of things that, that – uh, Playing for the Atlanta Falcons was a difficult situation. Now, you're going to project that Matt Ryan is losing something. I think Matt Ryan goes to Indianapolis, and his career will be somewhat reborn. Uh, and that uh, we talked about Michael Pittman, a player that I absolutely loved. I, di I didn't believe you could overdraft Michael Pittman last year. I don't think you can this year. He doubled his output in, in catches from his first to his second year. Of course, he won't double this year. But he'll hit 100 catches, and Matt Ryan will benefit him uh, tremendously. The players around him, uh, adding wide receiver uh, quality throughout the draft. He's got preeminent uh, number one running back. Uh, he's got backs that uh, in depth that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got an excellent offensive line and coming defense in a division that, uh, well, let's just say that it is uh, – it doesn't give some of the challenges that other divisions that Matt Ryan is uh, used to playing in have throughout his career. So uh, Matt Ryan uh, should be on your draft board, and he's, he's not going to hurt any players that uh, you have on your roster and is likely going to enhance those players. I, I, I like Matt Ryan as a solid number two quarterback. I mean, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're in the number two early best ball tournament, if you want to wait on quarterback, I think he is fine as your section, uh, second option as well. Uh, currently in the never too early best ball tournament. Shout out to Darren Armani from fantasymojo.com at fantasymojo on Twitter for these, uh, this ADP. But currently Matt Ryan is quarterback 21. Michael Pittman, the aforementioned Michael Pittman, wide receiver 26. That's right after Michael Thomas, Mike Williams, and Cortland Sutton. Uh, right before Allen Robinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Devontae Smith. Uh, Michael Pittman firmly in the sixth round. And if he does indeed catch 100 passes, as Farrell Elliott believes he will, that is a great bargain there. Hard to disagree with you there, my friend. Um, this came up uh, earlier today, I think, Friday. Um, at least I think this is the last time I saw or the first time I saw it. Ian Rappaport uh, said that Melvin Gordon is in discussions with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if he does indeed sign with the Ravens, he's going to be coming into a backfield not only with J.K. Dobbins but Gus Edwards as well. While both these guys are coming off the ACL injuries, um, this would be a fantasy quagmire. Uh, giggity, giggity. He turns 29 in April, does Melvin Gordon. And um, second highest yards per carry of his career last year with four and a half in Denver. He got in the end zone 10 times. I don't know what would – well, let, let's talk about both sides of the coin here. Number one, Farrell, if Melvin Gordon signs in Baltimore, are Gordon, Dobbins, and Gus Edwards off your board? And number two, how high up would you take Javante Williams? I'm still of the belief that Gordon is gone. They bring in somebody, but it won't have anybody with the pedigree or the reputation of Melvin Gordon. Williams has already maxed out his draft position, and he, I've seen him go as, as early as the late first round. Uh, you know, we might tell the listeners how they can uh, get involved with uh, uh, Darren Armani and, and and get the mojo numbers because, you know, not everybody can say, hey, Balky, what's the mojo on that? I don't <laughs> not actually, everybody but, can. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but that's how I figure it out. But, you know, uh, okay, uh, Baltimore backfield, what a great addition from an NFL team standpoint, that this player would be to the Ravens. What a disaster it would be for the other players as fantasy players uh, in the Ravens' backfield. I think it's necessary that they continue to add assets in the backfield. Uh, 
to ensure that Lamar Jackson doesn't have to carry the whole load there and how wonderful it would be. You can't elevate uh, the tight end Andrews anymore, but having a star player in the backfield of Gordon's, uh, uh, Gordon's resume uh, would benefit him uh, as well as uh, uh, Marquise Brown. So it's, it's a great thing for the passing game to have another kind of back like that on the roster. I hope he goes somewhere where we can count on him getting 225 carries. That's what I want to see for this player. Yeah, I would too. Um, Javante Williams, by the way, over the last seven days, um, if you want to sign up for FantasyMojo.com's uh, service, well worth it, especially if you're playing the FFPC, FantasyMojo.com. Um, 103 was the earliest Javante Williams went in the last seven days in a, in a never-too-early best ball tournament. Um, the thing is, and, and this is something, you know, I can't really equivocally say, oh, I'm off Gordon, I'm off Dobbins, I'm off Edwards, if indeed um, he uh, Gordon does sign with Baltimore because I don't know how – I don't know what the perception – I don't know what the perception created is going to be. I don't know how far down Gordon will tumble and Dobbins and Edwards. And at that point, especially if I go zero RB, one of those guys might make some sense. So as especially stands, if, if you pick the one that's going to get yeah. the goal line, and that may become the, and, and you know, Gordon has always been a great contributor around that goal line. 10 touchdowns last year in Denver could, could be even bigger in Baltimore with the way they run the ball. We shall see on that. Uh, Ian Rappaport also, uh, had a busy week as he reported Brandon Cook's contract extension with the Texans includes $36 million guaranteed. What's interesting about that, that means um, of his $39.6 million deal that he signed, 90% of them, or roughly 90% of it, is guaranteed. This is another big-time payday for an NFL receiver. Um, even though Houston's offense is not very good and it is very conservative, only three receivers last year had a higher rate of their team's air yards than Brandon Cook's, who had 40% in Houston, and his 28% target share was six overall in the NFL. He turns 29 years old in September. Farrell, death, taxes, and Brandon Cooks being a wide receiver too. I don't see it changing this year. I don't care if it's Davis Mills. I don't care if it's a rookie. <laughs> Cooks always seems to do it no matter where he is, no yes. matter what offense he's in, and no matter who his quarterback is. Bonky, good things come to those who wait, and Brandon Cooks has waited and has been rewarded. I think it's tremendous uh, – kick for uh, Davis Mills. I, I love the quarterback situation there, and I love the fact that no one uh, is drafting this quarterback, and I think it's tremendous to, to to put himself together with this kind of receiver on the field with all the other potential emerging talent. No, this team is perhaps not going to win a lot of games, but they could win you fantasy games because some of these guys, especially early on, that find their hold in this roster and continue to play better. I think of Nico Collins in that respect. You take a situation with this quarterback in that respect, and we always know Cooks is going to deliver. These guys can deliver for you later in the season, and, hey, that's what we need. Um, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver 33 right now. It's kind of a sweet spot, quite frankly, mm -hmm. in, in the seventh round there. There's a lot of guys I like there. Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Darnell Mooney, all going in the seventh round. They're all kind of lumped together. So if you miss out on Cooks, who – would be my target there. I think there's some nice consolation prizes. Speaking of receivers in the AFC, uh, right after I wouldn't say right after we went off the air. I would say about 12 hours roughly after we went off the air last Friday. There was a trade, an intradivisional trade between the Patriots and Dolphins where New England gets Devontae Parker and a 2022 fifth rounder uh, in exchange for a 2023 third rounder being sent to Miami. New England reportedly contacted the Carolina Panthers about Robbie Anderson when they were at the Combine. And uh, Devontae Parker not only got interest from the Patriots, but got interest from the Eagles as well. 
New England should give Devontae Parker a lot more targets than he was going to see in Miami with the acquisition of Tyreek Hill and obviously Jalen Waddell already there. But the Patriots do run the ball a lot. Mac Jones in the bottom of the half, uh, bottom half of the league in deep accuracy last year in passes over 20 yards. He was only completing a little bit over a third of them. Parker, two years, $17 million remaining on his contract. This could be a one-year rental with only $2.7 million of his contract next year guaranteed. I think this is a good spot for Devontae Parker. I'm excited about drafting him. I don't care that New England is a run-heavy team because, quite frankly, unless you're the Eagles, um, even if you're a run-heavy team, you're still passing the ball a lot. And I think Devontae Parker is going to pay off on his draft spot right now. I do too, Balky, and this is a player that we have great love for here in the KFFSC. You'll see him go Louisville's own. Yeah, a couple of rounds earlier down here. I've I've uh, very pleased and, and proud for his agent, a fellow named Jimmy Gould, who's a hardworking agent, did a great job with this. Um, uh, Parker's situation it basically is that he has been admired um, for the coach. If you go to Pro Football Focus. Uh, you can see that against Coach Belichick, he's had some of his better days. And it's been two years removed from his best season, but a change of scenery for Devontae Parker was in order going to a coach that respects his talents. I think that's a mixture for fantasy success. Uh, wide receiver 66 in the 14th round right yeah, now. That's a steal. That is a steal right after rookie Sky Moore, right before James Washington. I like Devontae Parker, and I do believe um, that uh, he will climb up boards. Over the last seven days, you know, this is the last seven days, so obviously some of these drafts were going on after or before he was traded. Um, but even, like, the highest he's been picked in the last seven days, 12.06. Come on, people. Devontae Parker's <laughs> worth more than that. Um, and we shall see what happens when we get to the managed leagues rather than the set and forget it best balls as well. Uh, we have Ryan Zabrowski, the four-time uh, 2021 FFPC Dynasty champ, coming up. The last thing I want to get to before we get to him, uh, Pro Football Network's Aaron Wilson. Uh, talked about Nebraska rookie wide receiver Samari. I'm gonna hope I'm not butchering his name. Samari Touré is drawing quote heavy interest from Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati, Green Bay, Indianapolis, and San Francisco. Touré had a record for Nebraska this year: a high 100 yards receiving five different times. And this is a guy who could be the lid lifter for Kansas City and or Green Bay after they lost theirs. Um, via free agency and a trade. Ture, last year, second highest yards perception in Nebraska history at 19.5, and he caught four balls for 150 yards and a touchdown against Ohio State in November. Everybody saw that on the national stage. He was a transfer coming from Montana where he caught 155 balls for 2,500 yards and 20 touchdowns in just three years. Nobody talks about Ture, uh, Farrell. Is this guy just a deep threat, or is this the type of guy that maybe could be a bona fide number two for Kansas City, Green Bay, or any of those other teams I mentioned. Yeah, I think he is a deep threat of who will become, and not maybe in one season, but over a period of time, uh, a player that will separate himself and, and be a higher volume receiver. That being said, you can't predict what a player can do when he brings speed to the league. And he's a perfect example of how the transfer portal is working for players. Guys that went to college, maybe they were a little undersized, they didn't get the attention. Maybe they went to a small school. They go to Montana with this same skill set. If he had stayed in Montana, he would have been sixth, seventh round draft pick or a free agent. He gets the opportunity to play in the Big Ten. Good for him. Uh, we talked about last week how players uh, came to the combine at the wide receiver position and no one really hurt themselves. Happened a lot at the running back position as well. It's a situation where 
uh, there's a lot of heat on on players late because the scouts want to make sure they cover these players and the backlog of players brought on for COVID is significant. There's a lot of players in this draft, so you know there's a great deal of work to do. And this player seems to be emerging from all of it in a good situation. So good for him. He's a player that uh, we need to go back. And and I encourage you fantasy players that don't get to watch as much college football as they would like to go back and look at those highlights. They're on YouTube. They can understand who that player uh, reminds them of, and that can give them comfort with the player moving through the draft. This will be a good, interesting test because as of right now, Torrey is not being drafted in the never too early best ball tournament. He's not being drafted in dynasty startups at the FFPC right now. All of a sudden his name appears next week, Farrell. I think we'll pat ourselves on the back, bringing him to the attention of high stakes fantasy owners sure. nationwide. Uh, speaking of one of those fine, uh, high stakes fantasy owners is uh, going to join us right now. I want to bring in our guest this evening, ladies and gentlemen, he's been playing dynasty fantasy football for almost two decades. He currently has 14 FFPC dynasty teams, four dynasty titles in 2021 alone. The 750 number 25, the 250 number 14, the 250 number 177, and of course the 250 best ball number 156. He's here to discuss how he did it and how he's going to continue to do it, or at least plans on continuing to do it for the next several years. You follow him on Twitter at ZABO7979, Zabo7979. Please welcome onto the program Mr. Ryan Zaborowski to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Ryan, welcome. Congrats on all the great success in 2021, man. Hey, thanks, Falky Farrell. It's uh, good to join you. Always good to talk Dynasty. Been really uh, grinding the rookies really hard for uh, for a couple of months now, and uh, it's happy to share whatever I can and uh, yeah, just talk some Dynasty. Absolutely, we we appreciate that. Do you watch a lot of college football during the season to try to get a handle on these guys before they enter the, the NFL draft? I, I always want to, and it, it never happens. It, uh, every this is the year I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch it while I'm watching NFL, and uh, yeah, it, it never happens. So uh, right after the start, uh, end of the season, from uh, January to uh, all the way up to rookie drafts, it's uh, it's grind time. And uh, yeah, I feel it's a really interesting class, and um, it's uh, really interesting. It's really boomer bust. Very a lot of high floor. Um, high ceiling guys that is landing spots going to depend on a lot on. And um, it's really difficult when you're looking at things uh, now before the draft to see how a lot of these are with some really big tiers with a lot of the guys, a lot of the receivers. Um, I think I have like eight receivers in my top tier right now. And if any of them go to like Green Bay or Buffalo, they, they, they'll be wide receiver one. Yeah. Um, yeah no, it's, Rocky, it's like I want to, I want to tell Ryan about a way to cheat on watching college football and give you a plan for next season. Okay. Uh, I do. I watch most of my college football Monday night after the Monday night game You can go to the sec network, uh, PAC 12 network, big 10 network. They all have condensed games and, and you can get through probably one whole conference by four or 5. AM <laughs> shower, a little nap. You'll be ready to go to work and you'll have your football. That's all it takes, right? <laughs> okay. You you, you well, when you put it that, that way. Yeah. I mean, just... Ryan Z, you know, they're not going to call your name until they've called everybody else's anyway. So, you know, you can get in there a little late being that you're in and it'll be fine. So I'll work with you on that come next year. I just wanted to all throw right. that out there as a public service to you. Sir. So, so just for anybody who's wondering the key to dynasty success, 10 hours of watching football on a Monday night and then going to work on Tuesday. That's what does it for Farrell. Um, we'll get into to what does it for Ryan here in a second. Um, when you are not winning all these dynasty titles, Ryan, can you give us a, a sense of how you're spending your time 
uh, for work, employment, what you're doing for a living when you're not crushing the FFPC? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a software engineer by trade. I don't do a lot of actual software writing anymore. It's more of a, you know, managing teams and boring meetings and stuff like that. And uh, listening to uh, fantasy podcasts pretty much the whole time, whenever I can, uh, to and from. Uh, but aside from that, uh, you know, a family, beautiful wife, two kids that are six and nine that take up uh, about all the rest of my other free time that I'm not uh, you know, watching rookies or doing best ball drafts, which hadn't started yet, have not done any of the uh, too early best balls. But uh, once after rookie drafts time, we're going to get back into the uh, the best balls. I am finishing my seventh, never too early best ball draft. Uh, I'm I'm glad I'm getting most of them finished for a player like you gets over there. Um, <laughs> last year, um, players like you were lining up to draft. Um, tied in from uh, Atlanta via the Florida Gators, Pitts. Now, I thought this player was a 80-catch player. I thought it so much that uh, I can't get past him catching 80 balls. And he only caught 68. And he didn't find the red zone. And it was very confusing to me as to why he couldn't. We talked a little bit earlier in the show tonight about Matt Ryan. I'd like to know what your expectation was for this player last year. And since you haven't been drafting, I will tell you this already built into um, this year's draft is the expectation that he not only does better with catches uh, that he tops last year's figure, but that he finds the end zone more. I think with the addition of Mariota, perhaps continuing the play, giving him more time to get open, trying to beat them with his feet. Uh, that's one way you can do it. What are your, what's your thoughts about this player? especially as the, uh, with the fact that Ridley is uh, now a permanent recluse from the Falcons roster. Uh, yeah, so um, with Pitts, uh, he's a guy I definitely also went all in a lot on to uh, – um, I went on a binge of getting uh, getting orphans, basically, as a way to get uh, Pitts when I realized when I got on my rookie drafts and only had one share of Pitts. I'm like, uh, yeah, now I need to get a, find another way to get to do that. And uh, um, yeah, he's just such a rare talent, and uh, we all know that that uh, touchdowns are noisy, and um, you know you see it happen all over at all positions, including tight ends. So I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is that um, some of the some of the weaknesses of why Ryan couldn't get the ball to Pitts also I think might still be there with with Mariota. Um, Ryan really struggled with getting the ball. He well, he wouldn't. He was fine whenever he wasn't under pressure and everything was open. Um, but one, either when he was in, uh, under pressure or he really didn't want to throw up those contested catch balls. He wanted to throw up those 50-50 mm -hmm. balls. Um, and he would just kind of look for his other read and then get sacked eventually. Um, Mariota, for the last time we saw him, I mean, I don't think he's really that much different. I mean, the idea of Mar Marcus Mariota being a running quarterback and making things with his, uh, happen with his legs and Mm -hmm. um, it really hasn't happened in the pros. So, I mean, is the coach who, um, or the or at least it was the offensive coordinator was there who benched him in order to, uh, when they had success uh, when Tannehill took over, he's going to be the one that's going to unlock Marietta? I'm skeptical it's there. Thin, it's a thin line between love and hate with offensive coordinators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very thin line. But you're mentioning Dave Ragone, who uh, – who's another University of Louisville product who who had the 
disappointment of being drafted to the Houston Texans when they still had Carr as their quarterback, and he ne- he never got off the bench. But a good football mind, uh, yeah, it's a good question. It is a good question. So where are you? What are you going to do with Pitts? If you if you were to get in one of the never too early's, would you know you're going to have to draft him in the second round to get him? Would you do that? Uh, I probably wouldn't. I'd be probably looking at one of the cheaper tight ends that are, uh, whatever reason, their draft positions less than their, um, than their, or their, uh, than their actual value, like Dalton Schultz or uh, Dawson Knox. They're still going, uh, you know, towards the end of the tight end one for some reason or another. Um, not that I, I believe in Pitts and the talent, but I mean, it might work. It'll work out at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this year. Uh, they probably a good chance they draft a quarterback which you know who, who knows that could be and it'll work at some point i don't know if it's gonna be this year he might be a good acquisition in dynasty then after 2022 goodbye low guy right uh i don't think you're buying low ever on Calicott. really yeah on the ffpc you're always paying nope. okay as long as he has all of his limbs you're, you're not <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll be the greatest one-handed catcher ever to play in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, one-handed Kyle Pitts is still probably a, a, a first overall – or not first overall. He's still a first or second-round pick in the FFPC for sure. Um, Terry McLaurin, uh, he gets a, a quarterback upgrade now this year, Ryan, with uh, Carson Wentz. So now the narrative would be, oh, better quarterback means better stats. But is that more of something that, that's just a nice idea to think about? Um, or is this actually going to come to fruition – where McLaurin actually does have a big season in a contract year, by the way, um, for Washington. And I'm kind of curious because you have it. I don't want to say it's polarizing, but you have certain dynasty people believing that McLaurin's in for a big year. Then you have a lot of other people that say this Wentz thing is not going to do much for him. Where do you reside on this? Well, you said uh, the word upgrade, and you also said uh, better uh, without the air quotes around it. And uh, as someone who watched Carson Wentz in Philadelphia for years, uh, uh, I mean, we all know he stinks. Uh, he went to Indianapolis, and every uh, the whole story the, for why you uh, they traded the picks around him was Frank Reich was the one guy who was going to unlock him back to that magical two thirds of a season. season. Yep, yeah, and they immediately wipe their hands of them. So they're telling you everything what to know. I mean, the fact that Washington traded picks for him, I mean, we should be like doing the opposite of whatever Washington does. So, I mean, um, sad to say I'm a really big Terry McLaren fan. Um, I don't see, uh, I don't see, I mean, there's, they're probably also a good bet to draft a receiver too. So not only does his quarterback throw like a trebuchet, and has uh, the footwork of a tank, but like, I don't know. They, a lot of the uh, Terry McLaurin has got his production because he was the only show in town. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of whispers about them getting a drafting uh, a receiver, and that's just going to take other targets away. Um, we know that Wentz likes to throw to his tight ends a lot because he can't throw to his receivers as well as oh. he wants to. So, um, so I believe in Terry McLaurin. If you're buying Terry McLaurin, I think you're buying on the the hopes that he gets on this receiver money that everyone else is getting saying, pay me 30 million or trade me. And teams are standing up and saying, okay, fine. So uh, (laughs) if you're trading for Terry, I think that's what you're hoping for. Yeah. The spots for uh, an expensive receiver are becoming less uh, throughout the league as, as each day goes by. Uh, Let's talk about another. Jets are still looking for one though, Farrell. Who's that? The Jets are looking for one. Oh, aren't they though? Yeah. They they can't. uh, Yeah. 
Well, of course, they're always looking for everybody. So I guess God bless really. the Jets. They just have the best backup quarterback in football. You know, <laughs> went to Western Kentucky. What can I say? Uh, I am new, uh, Ryan. I don't know if you know this, but I am new to the uh, dynasty game. After a, a lengthy career uh, as an NFL sports agent looking at rookies every year, and finally, after my 10th or 12th year playing uh, fantasy ball, it came to my conclusion that, you know, dynasty would be a, a, a good deal for me because, you know, I know a little something about the rookies. We'll see how that all works out. But I've, you know, and you say you've got a six and a nine-year-old at home, all this talk of orphans and adopting, do they get a little confused from time to time <laughs> and see if anyone's moved into their room or something? <laughs> they understand this situation? No, it's just a, the daddy brings home the money. That's all that counts. I, I pay for the well, pizzas. They're, they're all good. Fantasy players took uh, wide receiver Cooper uh, with the Dallas Cowboys and had to be pleased that that, that would be their receiver uh, bringing home the money. And then they wake up and find that he is a Cleveland Brown. And then they wake up and find they've got a new quarterback or do they? And how is it going to work? And so what what would you do with Cooper if he's on your rosters? Are, are you going to hold him? Do you expect him to have a year? Uh, and, and what would you would you trade him at any cost? Uh, is this one of the guys that, that uh, you know, could command draft picks uh, as we get ready for uh, your dynasty drafts? Uh, your thought on Amari Cooper? All right, so Amari Cooper, I've been a big fan of Amari Cooper. I felt like he was undervalued for a couple of years um, in Dallas, and he went on this roller coaster of being a Brown, to be undervalued to – you know, we don't know exactly know. And um, whether or not to keep him or trade him, I guess it depends on whether or not I'm a contender because of the whole Deshaun Watson scenario really just kind of smells. Um, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with as far as suspension, but money talks. And in this case, the money of the contract talks is that when he uh, negotiated his base salary down to a year, they're obviously expecting suspension. So I'm going to follow the money and expecting that some sort of suspension is happening and that, uh, affects my ability to really go hard for trading for Mario Cooper. That being said, if you're talking six game, eight game suspension, and you have a stacked roster, um, yeah, may hold, may as well hold on for him. And um, he's a, definitely a guy that can uh, win you a title. He's still really good. He's just, um, you know, has his injury issues. But yeah, I mean, he's really been underrated for a while. Um, it's, I don't know, the whole Cleveland Brown scenario, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, uh, There's a scenario of anybody just like saying, no, I don't want to go there. And, you know, saying, how about this much money? Well, on second thought, does that ever work out for anybody? <laughs> the whole thing just kind of smells, got stink lines coming from it. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm wary, so I won't be trading for Cooper anywhere, but uh, I will probably be holding on to him and the teams I have him that are Cooper is a hold. Uh, it's like it's like Billy Bean in uh, Moneyball where well, I mean not Billy Bean, but Brad Pitt is Billy Bean in Moneyball where I made one decision in my life based on money and I'd never made I'd never uh, do it again. Uh, <laughs> which I mean I'm sure there's players in the NFL that would say the same thing. Uh we've been talking a lot about receivers with you, Ryan. I want to shift the running backs here. You have Derrick Henry in several uh, of your dynasty leagues in 2022. Are you convinced that look, I'm just gonna continue to ride them out? Um, not only for this season, but maybe the rest of his career. And I'll just, you know, whenever he falls off the cliff, I'll have enjoyed that, you know, all that production on my squad. Or 
are, are you looking to move him at this point? Getting what you can, you know, you think about the injury he had last year. Are there more coming in 2022? How do you view Derrick Henry from a dynasty perspective? I mean, if you're going to trade him, it's tell me where that running back tree where you can get 25 point a game running backs is. And yeah. sure, you can trade him. Otherwise, I'm going to ride him until the wheels fall off. And uh, yeah, a couple of my uh, were teams that I actually won a title without uh, Derrick Henry, but other teams, some of the other orphans, I traded for Derrick Henry when he was hurt and was able to get him for a uh, first and change. And uh, I mean, you know, you, we, we all know that, you know, it's bell cow running backs are bust and there's so few. Uh, running backs that have that that share that, that target share could be such a difference maker. He was winning people leagues until it was uh, injuries. As far as his injury, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, I think it was his first major injury in the pros, maybe in college. I don't remember. Um, so I mean, people look at age, but like I don't know, he's just a different animal. I, I think uh, uh, you, you just throw out the playoff game, just totally ignore it for coming back off the injury. And other than that, he, we know he's a mutant, and I think you just why ride until the wheels fall off. Smart. I, I drafted him in a startup dynasty last year, and upon his injury, I moved him to the IR list, and, and no one in the league insulted me with an offer for him. So I I, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> you know, all right, Balky Most Talk running backs, there's 14 Alabama running backs active in the NFL and another one soon to join them. Uh, the kid Brian Robinson uh, in this year's draft. And, and uh, I, I have a, the 110 pick uh, in the league. And, and so I want to ask you, should I draft rookie running back from Alabama who looks just like all the rest of them, the 6'1", 225 pounds, does a lot of good things and does them all in, well at the top level of college ball. Should I draft this player at the end of the first round? Uh it's a tricky question. Uh, it'll probably depend on his uh, landing spot, but um, I guess from a talent standpoint, there's really not that much of a difference for Najee Harris and uh, Brian Robinson. If you like Najee Harris, which everyone does, you probably should like Brian Robinson. The only real different uh, Robinson. The only difference really is that uh, Najee was a very accomplished uh, receiver who split out wide, ran wide receiver routes. Um, but in between the tackles, they both, you know, really hard runners got, you know, got a lot of yards on their own, a lot of forced missed tackles, um, did a lot of dirty work and catch ball, um, tough, big, all the same things that are Najee Harris, but for whatever reason, the NFL and at least it seems like the dynasty community is not as high on. So though the double edged sword there they have to think about is that, um, with this draft stock and whether or not the, um, what, no matter what we think it's around what the NFL Owner, um, GMs think, and if they think that he's a two-down back, then he's going to get drafted behind someone who has, you know, like uh, the Saints that have Kamara or maybe the Dolphins who just signed Chase Edmonds. They're going to typecast him into be a two-count uh, running back. I think he could do more than that, but it's going to be tricky with where he's going to get drafted. If he gets drafted day three, then, uh, I mean, you know, definitely one-tenths out of the picture. Um, it would depend on landing spot. Uh, I think he's probably more of a second round guy for me right now. Um, but it is a really bad, uh, running back class. Uh, part of the reason I was catching up so late on, uh, drafting the, uh, on drafting people is just the running back class is so bad. I would draft, like watch three running backs and just have to stop. Like I just can't watch anymore. Just have to just <laughs> put it up for the day. It's, uh, it's really rough as far as that. There's, um, you, know, you got your top two, you got Hall and Walker and then, 
you're looking like maybe a couple guys that you like, depending on the situation with Robinson and White. Um, and then it's just a lot of guys that just, I don't know, they need uh, a lot of things to happen right to really see them to have fancy value. Um, one thing I didn't realize until now when I'm, I'm just looking at him, what, what we're talking here, Ryan, um, and you kind of mentioned it. He did catch, you know, as the, the main guy in Alabama's backfield last year, he did catch 35 passes. I would yep. not have thought that it was that high, you know, not that I watched a ton of Alabama games, but I just never really thought of him as a pass catcher. But 35 uh, catches is, is really good. Um, and he also had, you know, take it for what it's worth, but well over 1,600 total yards in the SEC, which is nothing that yep. to sneeze at, gets in the end zone 16 times, um, had a, a long of, of 63-yard um, run, 51-yard uh, catch last year as well. So he, the explosive part of his game's there too. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it too. Like when when you have a, a running back class that is, yeah, it's top-heavy with with Hall and, and Walker and Spiller and what, what have you, but um, after that, it's just a lot of guys that kind of blend in and Robinson might be a guy that that's that's worth looking at, especially, again, once we find out where he is, what his role is going to be, um, he's going to be a guy uh, paying attention, worth paying attention to. Another guy that I think is worth paying attention to, and he's getting picking up speed, speaking of rookies, um, is George Pickens. Is this guy, would you describe him as, when you consider all the other receivers that are going in the first and second round this year in the NFL draft, would you consider George Pickens a sleeping giant given that he's hasn't gotten a ton of attention because he missed most of the 2021 season before he came back at the end with that ACL injury. Well, I'm not sure if, um, let's say not getting attention. I think the dynasty community is on him. I think the NFL community is on him. Probably be a first or second round pick. So I wouldn't call him sleeping giant. He's kind of a lunatic and I guess in a good way. <laughs> I mean, he plays with no regard for his body. Let's yeah. pack our catches. He's kind of like, like, Skinny Mike Williams, I guess, is the best way I could put it. He has uh, tremendous ball skills, but uh, just plays with no regard for his body. Uh, and not to mention maybe uh, some off-the-field incidents he's had with getting in fights and also. So, I mean, he's a lunatic, mostly in a good way. He's a guy that is in that top tier of eight, which, um, oh, I guess top tier. Um, there's no guys at the top tier. I think uh, everybody's like a two, tier two receiver for me this year. There's no one in the Chase or Waddle or Smith tier, but any eight. I mean, put them put them in Green Bay. Then yeah, I'm 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 interested after Hall and Walker. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think uh, how sleeping isn't maybe the word I would use. I think I think uh, all the smart people could see all his spectacular catches and they're pretty on him already. Always on in the FFPC, they are tight ends and. Um... There's been a mixed bag, a Duke's mixture, if you will, of available tight ends that I've liked from college ball this year. And I really got on this player late. Uh, West Coast teams are a little bit more difficult for me to follow. So at UCLA, they have Greg Dulwich, um, a tight end that not s prolifically sized. He falls into that line of uh, uh, Zach Ertz or an Owen Daniels, or if you're really an old school guy, Dallas Clark. What I really, really love about this player is that he's got a little wiggle to him. He can catch the ball and make things happen. I went back and looked at film, his game against LSU, 60-yard, uh, 70-yard touchdown catch and run. Very impressive. The player came to the combine, and this is, uh, uh, this is what really impressed me about him, while a lot of other tight ends were not 
working out, were, were holding off to their pro day to run. This kid did everything, and he did it well, especially when he ran the gauntlet. No, no player uh, in that drill gets told, oh, you, you drop balls in the gauntlet, uh, we're not going to draft you. But what it does when they do well, uh, when a player does well uh, in that drill at the combine, it, it puts everybody on notice to take a look. So that's kind of what it did with me and this player. I really, really like this player. I mentioned the guys he reminded me of. They're all impressive players. Where are you uh, on, on this tight end? Are you aware of him? Are you as high on him as I am? Uh, I'm aware of him. I'm not as high on as you are. He's um, he's he's interesting, I guess. I think he's not. I'm not high on him just because of the nature of tight ends in general, especially with FFBC. Everyone knows the tight end premium, and not enough people talk about uh, the short benches. And you know, at the end of the year, the cuts for down to 16, and uh, we have to draft some of these guys. I don't know exactly where he's going. You haven't had uh, seen any rookie drafts yet. If you have to draft him in the second or third round, but like. Um, pretty much all receivers are projects. I mean, uh, Pitts and Fryermuth being tight end ones um, last year for uh, in the middle of the year were more of an anomaly than the, the rule. And I think he's a prospect. He's going to take some work. And um, but he's it's interesting. I, Wiggles, I think he used the right word with uh, his his slipperiness to be able to get open. But he's not that fast. He's not that big. So. Um, a lot of it, again, is going to depend on the situation. Uh, is someone going to use them explicitly as a, as a, as a, why they're going to split them out as a slot tight end and move tight end. Um, or yeah, they're just going to go through growing pains of being in line. Um, but yeah, definitely see the, uh, some of the ability. And also, um, I think he was, uh, he was, a uh, his converter receiver. He put on like 40 pounds of, of weight and really grew into his body. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so there's I, um. So yeah. So so there's definitely some ascension. Um, you know, the arrows pointing up there. Um, I just don't think I really want to take a lot of these projects on um, in FFPC teams. I'm usually trying to get some of the tight ends after after uh, year one where they don't do anything. That's the time you buy instead of trying to spend a second or third for Dolchus. You get them for for dirt at cut down time when people realize they can't put them in their 16. And that's usually the time to buy them. Putting together that work of that long memory from. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what it is too. I mean, like let somebody else worry about, Hey, I wonder if this guy's going to hit or not and waste a roster spot on in year one. And then when they inevitably cut them in year two or given up on them on year two, uh, maybe you can get them for cheap. And then that's when they could really perform, especially when you consider that you know, tight ends usually make this sophomore leap, uh, especially in the NFL. A couple of emails here for you, Ryan. Uh, Paul in Tulsa writes, who are the Philadelphia Eagles to target and who are the Philadelphia Eagles to fade this season? So when you look at the Eagles as a whole, you know, Hertz and Sanders and and Smith and and you know, all the guys that got her and all the guys that they got there, do you have any favorites on that team? Or, or and do you have any guys that you know will not be on any of your teams this year? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a big Dallas Goddard fan, um, and it's nice to see that they, they finally moved on for Ertz and allowed to uh, allow him to really uh, step up. So I think I expect a lot more um, Dallas Goddard. Um, as far as who they're who they're drafting, um, I mean, how how he just look at how he's history. He's you know he's going to draft a receiver. He's got two picks. Um, you know he you know other than Smith and he kind of stinks at it, but that hasn't stopped him for better or worse. 
<laughs> he, uh, you know, did the right thing with Smith and still kept going to the well. And, uh, you know, he's an analytically driving guy and he has his process. Uh, the data drives that. And I would expect him to, to keep going at it because they still need as much help as they're trying to build around Hertz, which I'm skeptical that he's the guy, but at least, you know, put him in. Uh, they got a good offensive line, try to put his weapons, at least find out whether he's a guy. And now you got an extra pick for the Saints next year uh, to give the ammo if you, you know, if he doesn't take that leap next year. And now you have the ammo to get a, a quarterback in a good class next year. Yeah, yeah, that's totally accurate. Um, West Palm Beach, Florida is where Mark resides, and he's sending his email from there. Hi, Ryan. Do you find yourself building a lot of your dynasty rosters around receivers? over running backs uh thanks for the email but by the way thanks for the email mark and paul um this is sort of like the old adage right uh, is mm-hmm. is you build around receivers because they have a longer careers but then there is a pushback against that a few years ago especially at the ffpc where you could play where you could start four running backs every week and they became devalued to the point where they became a value how do you sort of look at these positions when you're building championship rosters and dynasty ryan yeah, I mean, it's always, I mean, uh, that's the the early dynasty trap that I fell in, you know, early in, in my dynasty career is like, well, hey, the the, the receivers are, gonna, are younger, their careers last longer, why wouldn't I get, you know, this per uh, wide receiver X I could have for 15 years, I only get five years out of running back, but it's positional scarcity because you only get five years, good years out of running back, and everyone needs two running backs, That that is what drives it, and especially in FFPC. Uh, compared to other rankings in the industry, you see that just running backs always go earlier, and that's just because there's a lot of sharp guys in the FFPC, and know that running backs win championships. And like you said, with with Derrick Henry, it's it's really the bell cow running backs, the ones who are gonna um, you know score twenty point twenty plus points a game. And there's just so few because of all the running back committees in the league. There's just so few of them, and finding that is the most important. Uh, so for this year, it's it's really Paul Walker, and that's it. We'll see what happens with the uh, one of three. See what happens with one wide receiver landing spots. I'm all set, Farrell. On emails, it's up to you, buddy. That's all the emails we got. With all the emails I have for Ryan. That's all the emails I have for Ryan. Yes. Oh, I have a question for you, and this answer may change later. If it does, I wish you would email us because of what the work you've done with the with the rookie players. But right now, uh, short of 20 days before the draft. Is there one rookie we've already we've already talked about Walker and I I understand your appreciation of that player. So in addition to him, is there one rookie that you that you really desire that you really could see playing for a number of your dynasty teams? And is there someone that you just say the NFL likes him, but no way for me? I don't want anything to do with him. Well, the answer to both of them can't be no, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta have something now, but I, you know, you 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 change it later, and we'll certainly uh, put it on the (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah. So, like running backs, you mentioned, it's really Hawker Wall, uh, Walker Hall, and and yeah. Other than that, um, Brian Robinson's on my list of yeah, definitely keep an eye on. Um, uh, some interesting things I mentioned. Some of the um. The wide receivers, uh, it's a tier of eight that are there. Um, uh, Jalen Tolbert's an interesting guy um, because um, he's a small school guy, South Alabama. Uh, and when I watch South, small school projects uh, or players, I really just want them to really look like a man among boys. And that is exactly what Jalen Tolbert looked like 
Uh, he had one game against uh, the first game I watched against Tennessee. I'm like, okay, let's see him against a real team. First team is just a stone drop. I'm like, uh-oh, uh, get ready to cue this guy. And then it was just utter destruction the rest of the game. So um hadn't seen enough talk about him. Again, it's going to be a landing spot dependent thing. Uh, I don't know where his draft stock is, but uh, just being so completely dominant. I think on the senior bowl, a lot of good reports on him being one of the better um, receivers in the senior bowl. Not that the, uh, the cornerbacks are great at the senior bowl either, but uh, he's a guy I have an eye on for keeping an eye on his landing spot and see where That's he goes. That's a good eye. That's a very good eye. And as for guys I don't want to draft, um, uh, Rashad White is probably at the top of the list Ooh. where I see lots of people in the industry having running back three, and uh, I don't get it. Um, I mean, I thought he was 6'2 when I was watching him run because of how high he runs and just instantly goes down so. on t- contact. I mean, you give him an open lane against, you know, some of these, you know, whatever schools he was playing, you know, directional Arizona, I don't even know. Um, and, yeah, sure, he's fast and he can catch the ball. But that's literally it. I mean, uh, just no real vision whatsoever. No um, – when we look at running backs, for the biggest things I want to look at is um, yards after contact and, you know, what, what do you – basically, what do you create what, that's not there? If it's blocked for two, what do you get? Do you get two or do you get four? Do you get negative three? And with White, I see a lot of the getting what he's blocked or not. And I just – he's, like, basically, like, great value Ken and Drake is how I would describe him. Mm. Very flashy and jump cutty and you just watch highlights. Yeah, he might be your guy. Uh, watch the whole game and watch you know watch him against the, the best competition. We didn't play a lot of good competition, but um, when I watch your running backs, I basically want to try to find like versus Alabama and Georgia because that's the closest thing where you're gonna look like um, playing in the NFL and watch him in his worst game. Watch him playing against the best competition that he plays, and that's closest to what you're gonna see in the NFL. Ryan, um, question from the chat room. Hudson Kern Reeve wants to know who your top four dynasty rookie running backs are this year. I think you've made no bones about it. Your top two are Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Who are three and four for you this year? Uh, it's Rob, uh, Robinson White and Spiller in some order. I have them in tier right now. Um, uh, Spiller doesn't really do anything well. He does everything okay. He catches the ball, so that's good. Um, again, it's going to be a landing spot, I think, between those guys. And Zamir White uh, really has a lot of the things I look for for creating yards that aren't there, hmm. um, creating yards uh, after contact, real hard runner. Um, but he's just a complete unknown with um, in the passing game. Uh, also has eight and a half half in chance, which could explain maybe why he's not doesn't get enough work in the passing game. But then again, he also played with James Cook and yeah. DeAndre Swift. So that could just as easily explain it. So, um, I mean, that's those guys are three through five. And that's kind of just saying that it's really not a good <laughs> running back class. It means trade up to get one or two. Uh, we traded up for our guest tonight and uh, we, we hit a home run or a t- scored a touchdown, as it were, since this is a football podcast. Mm-hmm. Ryan Zabrowski, the uh, four-time 2021 FFPC High Stakes Dynasty champ. Uh, thank you so much for not only coming on to talk a little bit about how you built these teams and, and how you were successful with them, but all this rookie analysis that you've given us tonight, not only with, with uh, receivers, but especially the running back analysis. I know our, our viewers definitely appreciate that. Good luck to you. 
um, in, in 2022, defending the belt in so many leagues and trying to win championships and more. We'll follow you on Twitter at Zabo7979. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. Be good, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Balky and Farrell. It was a blast. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan Zabarowski, ladies and gentlemen, joining the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight for uh, Dynasty Championships for him last year. And it's, you know, I think it's a testament too. you know, um, people just assume when these orphans get put out there that you can't do anything with them. Well, what did Ryan do? He said in a couple of them, like, look, I, I, I bought these teams. I acquired Kyle Pitts on a couple of them. I, I gave up a first round pick to get Derrick Henry and I won some titles, you know, and, and that's what it's all about is, is seizing the day. Uh, making the most of it and and that's what he did and I think you know we don't have a whole lot of dynasty orphans left but I think for the ones that are left you, you can win a lot of titles and Farrell I, I think he made both of us better dynasty players tonight I think so too and again you know he's like in, in a lot of ways he's like talking to an NFL general manager they're public uh, publicly they come out and they try to find po- something positive about all players but when they get behind closed doors they start separating them and he's obviously separated who he wants at running back somewhat at, at receivers I think there is a change in the kind of the position of what a tight end is going to bring to the NFL yep. that will, that will happen over years and we'll, we'll determine uh, who's right about that. Uh, but nevertheless, he's, he's plugged into what he wants to do and I predict continued success for him. Absolutely. Uh, no question. And um, we did go a little overtime with them tonight, which means we only have time for one email. Shockingly, mm-hmm. It is from the commish in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know who that is, but we're talking no. about d- comparing Duke Johnson. The new, uh, the, yeah, I know him. Um, Duke Johnson, the new Buffalo Bill uh, running back, and then J.D. McKissick, who was going to be the new Buffalo mm. Bill running back, came back to the Washington Commanders uh, this year. It's kind of interesting because we, we've we heard, and this is, and I'll kind of turn it over to you to, to see where you want to go with this, and, and, I'll, and I'll follow your lead here, but... Um, we, I, I can't remember if we mentioned it on last week's show or maybe it was two weeks ago that Brees Hall um, was mentioned as a potential destination for the Bills at the end of the first round, um, which certainly would change the, the the landscape, not only that offense, but Devin Singletary and the rest of the, of the Bills running backs there. But tell us a, a little bit about why you wanted to bring up Duke Johnson and J.D. McKissick as we can compare these two players. I have never been a Duke Johnson fan, but he is finally in the situation of last year and this year won me over. Uh, last year, he got mixed up in that mess in Jacksonville, the poor guy, and he was largely inactive for the games until he went to Miami. He had his first 100-yard rushing game of his career. They, when he came to Miami, they asked him to give up what he does well, which is catch the ball and carry the rock for him, and he did well towards the end of the year. Um, what's fascinating to me here, you you look at Jamison Crowder, now Duke Johnson, these are veteran players that want to win a championship and want to contribute. Uh, We lose the offensive coordinator from Buffalo. Uh, He moves on to a head coaching position, and it it appears that his his second, uh, Coach Dorsey, does value the third down running back position, which is what they have not had on this team. They've asked Singletary to do it, and he's done it fairly well. But I think we all think across fantasy football that Singletary does not look like a three-down running back. Uh, so, and, and they had to promise to initially get McKissick to this team. They had to promise him a very, very significant role. And he accepted that contract during the window 
uh, and, and, and Washington stepped up and matched it or perhaps did a little more. Nevertheless, he stayed with Washington. He may someday regret that uh, because there, I think there's Super Bowl rings that will be measured for at the end of the year in Buffalo. So you take Duke Johnson and put him as the third down receiving back into this Buffalo Bills office. I think you've got something for this player, which is a significant role. And this player's uh, largely being undrafted in everything that we're doing now. Darren might be able to tell us on that famous mojo exactly what it is. But um, so it just brought my attention to that. And uh, to finish it up, Duke Johnson went to this job for not a lot of money, which means to me that they uh, they broke it down to him as how he's going to be used. Uh, they gave him some incentives and told him, come help us win a, a title. 28 years old is Duke Johnson uh, right now. Um, mm-hmm. So he's probably got a, you know, a year or two left here before um, NFL teams will just look to the younger guy. Um, but what's interesting about this, Farrell, and when you compare and contrast these guys, um, J.D. McKissick running back 47 at, at the 1308 on average in the never too early best ball tournament over the last week. Um, and then you have Duke Johnson running back 75 who is going in the 19th round. Um, so certainly maybe um, if you want to avoid McKissick uh, in the 13th round, which I, I don't necessarily think you should, but you could definitely get, you know, J.D. McKissick light um, or maybe J.D. McKissick, um, you know, depending upon what happens in that Buffalo backfield after the draft in the 19th round with Duke Johnson. I don't want to get hyperbolic here, but I think that there there is something to what you're saying with the coaches, what they, you know, what they told McKissick, what they told Duke Johnson. I think there is something to keep in mind there. And uh, certainly that's something, a situation we'll be watching, not only as we lead up into the NFL draft, but as we get into uh, Kentucky fantasy football state championship drafting season, football guys drafting season, main event drafting season. It's it's all happening, as the kids say. And uh, it's happened tonight. We had a great guest, Farrell, and uh, you crushed it as always. We'll do this again next Friday. Uh, thanks so much, man, and uh, enjoy your weekend. You too, Balky. I'll look forward to next weekend. All right, that's Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Check out his work at kffsc.com. Join those leagues. Uh, Senator already run to daylight open as well as the draft masters open there as well. Uh, that will uh, complete this evening's festivities on the show. I want to thank uh, Ryan Zaborowski. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, uh, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for watching or listening we certainly appreciate it uh next friday as i said we will be back at it 10 9 central we're gonna have five-time dynasty champion jay yutronki will uh will join the program um and i forgot to mention this we kicked off season 11 of this of, of the hsff hour tonight uh season 11 will roll on next next year never really thought we'd be doing 11 seasons of this but here we are and we're doing it on video now which is always exciting um a few dynasty orphans left at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale remember to register for the inaugural uh, ffpc never too early best ball tournament i said at the top of the show we're about 80 percent full on that right around there um the the it goes until april 28th which is three weeks from yesterday um it could sell out before then so i would encourage you to get in now to make sure that you can uh exchange your 125 dollars for a chance at twenty five thousand dollars to be the champion of that that we will crown in uh, about eight months or so nine months um, the football guys early bird promo is also live register for that myffpc.com when you draft a uh, registered team before June 30th and draft it before July 15th, you're going to get a free FFPC $35 
uh, credit to your account, which you can use on whatever you want. Um, plenty of slow live uh, sit and goes, uh, best ball leagues available, Superflex, Varsity, Terminator, um, all those different formats at myffpc.com. And then, of course, uh, don't forget about the uh, Run to Daylight Championship and the Draftmasters at KFFSC.com. You can also register to win a million bucks in the FFPC main event. Make sure you're taking advantage of that early bird promo. Get in before the end of next month. You're going to save $100 off your first team, and you'll save $500 off each additional team. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We certainly appreciate it. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. The other thing I'll say before um, before we uh, we sign off tonight, it not it crazy that, and I was talking to Farrell before the show started, it's snowing here in northeast Wisconsin right now on April 8th, and we got baseball games being rained out, uh, it snowed out in some cases because of the inclement weather. And this is a season that started late because of the lockout, and what are we doing? We're talking about dynasty football. Uh, you know, not only are the game would the games not be canceled on the field because of snow or whatever, but we're talking. And I don't mean to bag on baseball, but we're here. We are talking about well, what is what does this trade mean, and what is this guy going to do in 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 the NFL draft, and who's talking to him, and where's he going to end up? It's it's just crazy. It's a fun fun time of year for dynasty fantasy football players, and I encourage you. You have not participated in a dynasty league before. Make 2022 the year you give it your shot, and uh, you probably won't go back. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk with you again. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.